Welcome to the St. Matt's 6pm podcast, where you can listen to sermons from our evening service. actually mean by freedom and are we really free we say we're free but are we really free if we look at some of the images that were captured early last week then uh, we get a sense of what society means by freedom and it seems to have a lot to do with shopping with going to the gym with getting a haircut And the most Australian of all, with having a beer. Is that what freedom is? If we look a bit further and below the surface a bit, we do see something else in these images. We see people wanting to engage in community again, to catch up with each other, to renew acquaintances, to enjoy life together. And we also see people wanting to care for Loved ones who perhaps they haven't seen for a long time, going into each other's homes and looking after people. Is this freedom? Is this all it is? We know that we get more. In fact, tomorrow we have more restrictions released and more freedoms come. Next Sunday we'll be able to invite you back into the building and we look forward to that. There was a little cheer here. We look forward to that and Chris will give you some more information about that later in the service. But is this freedom? Is this all there is? Let me ask you, even in your own decisions and actions, are you really free? We've been so greatly impacted by the society that we grow up in, by our parents for better or worse by friends that we've had along the way who have influenced us, by the culture around us. Are we really free to act and think independently? And is that actually a freedom you would really want? This week here at St Matt's we had two funerals and funerals are are devastating times obviously but they cause us to ask all sorts of questions. And one of the questions I think they should prompt us to ask, particularly in a society that values freedom, is are we really free? See, because for all the talk of freedom, at the end of the day, death lingers. And who can escape it? For all of us has to face that day. And so even those who appear most free, seem to be enslaved by death. 
In John chapter 8, Jesus continues the conversation that he's been having with a group of Jews who were told have believed in him. But while they've believed in him, they still have questions about who he is and what he's about. They question some of the things that he's been teaching them about how valid those things actually are. But now Jesus turns the tables on them and he has some questions that he wants to ask of them. He takes them to the heart of their identity. He takes them to freedom. He urges them in verse 31 and 32 of John 8, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. They respond and their response tells us quite a bit about where they're at. They say, we are Abraham's descendants and we have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we should be free? Notice that they identify themselves as descendants of Abraham. They see Abraham as their father. And while that's true, it's interesting that this is how they choose to identify themselves, not as descendants of Adam, not even as children of God, but as Abraham's descendants. Their identity is tied up in their social political understanding and religious understanding of the time. The second thing that they identify is that they have never been slaves. Now, that's a fascinating thing to say because we know that they knew, as we do, that the Israelite people, the Jewish people, had indeed been slaves. They were slaves way back in Egypt. They were slaves in Babylon. And even right then, in the time that they were speaking, there was a sense in which they were being oppressed by Rome. Slaves enslaved by Rome. So why did they say this, knowing full well that they hadn't? Because they weren't talking about that physical freedom. Rather, they were talking about a spiritual freedom. As God's people, they've never been slaves. Again, their confidence is attached to their identity as Abraham's descendants. They say they're free, but are they really free? And Jesus now in the conversation wants to radically redefine freedom for them. Verse 34, he says, Very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Jesus brings sin into the conversation because if you're talking about freedom, you need to talk about sin. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin, Jesus says. Now, he's talked about sin before with them and they didn't respond all that well. But now Jesus is saying, actually, your behaviour, the way that you're acting at the moment, reveals your true identity and it reveals that you are enslaved to sin. Jesus talks to them about his father. They want to talk about their father, Abraham. But Jesus points, them, points out to them that they're not even acting like children of Abraham. In verse 41, he says, you're doing the works of your own father. Now, what he means by this will become clear in a minute. And they become incensed by what Jesus is saying. They understand at least part of what he's, he's saying. And because they're incensed, they now claim 
that God is their father. They go to a higher source. We all take on, for better or worse, elements of our parents. Sometimes it's for better. One of the funerals that we had this week was, was of a lovely godly guy by the name of Gerald Mills. That's his photo. And uh, Gerald, I've known as, as long as I've been at St Matt's, three years, and uh, just a lovely, lovely guy. At the funeral, I noticed a man, a bit younger than Gerald, walking towards me. And I thought to myself, that's got to be Gerald's son because he'd taken on some of the physical characteristics of Gerald. But then as I listened to the eulogies, I got to hear how his children and grandchildren had taken on his godly characteristics. Sometimes we have so much to be thankful for, for the things that we've caught or learnt or been instructed by our parents. We take on their good characteristics. It doesn't always work like that. Sometimes I look at my own children and I see them do certain things or have particular mannerisms and I think to myself, I am so sorry. I'm so sorry that I passed that on to you. I'm so sorry that I didn't get that out of the way of my life so that you could be free of it as well. In many ways, children become like their parents. And for these people that Jesus was talking to, their behaviour was revealing who their father was. Jesus says your behaviour doesn't match that God is your father. From the way that you're acting, I see something different. For if God was your father, you would love me, Jesus says. But as it is, you're trying to kill me. Jesus escalates the charge now. He goes right to the heart of the matter. He goes to their heart. And he says to them in verse 44, these very confronting words, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. He's a liar and the father of all lies. What a confronting thing for Jesus to say. And we need to think carefully about what it is that Jesus means here. These people think they're free, but they're not free. They think their father is God, but he's not their father. Instead, Jesus says, your father is the devil. Your father is the one who opposed God. Your father is the one who we heard in that reading from Genesis who opposed God's world, who through lies brought sin and death and destruction into the world. He is your father. His lies have made you slaves, slaves to sin and now you can't even see that you're enslaved by it. They think they're free, but they're not. Jesus wants to set them free. He's not wanting civic or social freedom for them. He wants true freedom. But they can't see their sin enslaving them. They're a little bit like a sauce bottle 
I've got one here, handy. Uh, we keep one in the fridge here pretty regularly. Uh, feel free to use it. But they're like a sauce bottle. Now, they're not, but just come with me on this. Have you ever got your sauce out of the cupboard or the fridge? We won't get into that debate. But have you ever got, got your sauce out and tried to pour it on your uh, hot sausage roll only to discover it's not coming out? And you can see that there's a problem because the sauce isn't coming out, right? But you know that this is a full tomato sauce container because you just bought it from the shops. You know it's full. You can feel the weight in it. So what's the problem? The little plastic protective cap. Have you ever done this? You've tried to get it out and it's only when you undo the top and pull off that protective cap that you can resolve the problem. Until you see the problem, you can't fix the problem. Only Jesus can remove the sin blockage. Only Jesus can end the slavery that these people are in. Jesus says to them, Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. See, Jesus is saying, I'm already in God's family. I'm the true child, so I can bring you in. And if I bring you in, then you're part of that family forever. You're no longer a slave, but you get to enjoy the freedom that comes from being in that family. And he says to them, all you need to do is to stay the course, to hold on to the things that I've been teaching you about. Hold on to the teaching that I am the one that's been promised, the Messiah, the one sent from the Father. Hold on to the teaching that I am the one that the Father has sent for the world, that I am the one that the Father has sent to offer forgiveness for the world, to free the world from its captivity to sin. Hold on to this teaching and you will be free. And Jesus said to them a little bit earlier, You will know this is true, verse 28 of chapter 8. You'll know this to be true when you see the Son of Man lifted up. Now that refers back to a conversation that Jesus himself had with Nicodemus in John chapter 3. And if we just jump back there, this is the context of that conversation in chapter 3 verse 14. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes may have eternal life. And then he says these words which we know so well. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. This is Jesus for the world. This is Jesus saying to these Jews who are enslaved by sin, I will set you free. When I am lifted up, not on a a stake in the wilderness, but on a cross outside the city of Jerusalem, there I will set you free. I will set you free from your captivity to sin. This, What Jesus is saying takes us right to the cross where Jesus is lifted up in his death so that any who believe in him will not die but have eternal life. And this takes us right to God's heart, a heart for people, a heart for these Jews that were standing before him, 
a heart for the Gentiles around him, and a heart for all people who were to come after and who had come before. This is God's heart for the world, that people would be released from their captivity to sin and be free to enjoy life with him. Free to enjoy his fatherly goodness. But just as this takes us to the heart of the Jews and to God's own heart, it also takes us to our heart. We say we're free, but are we really free? Who is your father? Who are you like? Jesus effectively leaves us with two options. We can be like God, our Heavenly Father. We can take on the characteristics of him by being his disciple, by following him. Or, and this is stark and confronting, or our Father is the devil. Which is it? You're living in a world that's brought on by the lies of the devil or you're living in a world brought on by the truth of God's son Jesus. Which is it? Now we might not like the sound of those two options and we might want to make the sound of the, the being a child of the devil, having the devil as your father, a bit softer, a bit sweeter. And so we might change it just like the people in Jesus' day did and said, well, Abraham's our father. We might say, maybe not in these words, but effectively say, well, science is my father. That's, that's what I look to as my guide. Maybe capitalism is our father. Maybe we say there is no father, which really just means I am my own father. But which is it? Any of those things really is saying, my father is the devil. Or is your father God himself? However you choose to frame it, if Jesus has not set you free, God is not your father. And if God is not your father, you might think you're free, but you're not. You're enslaved by sin. Do you see the problem? Or do you just see the symptoms? See, the symptoms are all around us and the symptoms of sin are often in us. It's in the endless shame that you carry because of things that you've done or not done. It's in the overwhelming guilt that sits with you day by day. Or the symptom of sin is in the repeating negative self-talk that says, I am of no value. I don't matter. I'm not important. Do you see the symptoms or do you see the problem? God did not design us to live in never-ending shame to live with overwhelming guilt or to live with constant condemnation in our own heads about who we are. 
unless Jesus has set you free. You think you're free, but you're not free. Sin has its hold. In all the talk about freedom at the moment, how often do you hear sin mentioned in the conversation? Because if we're not talking about sin, we're not talking about true freedom. True freedom is the release from sin. True freedom is the release from the thing that has done the most damage to our world, that does the most damage to individual lives. And Jesus brings freedom through the forgiveness of sin. Only in Jesus are you truly free. And in Jesus, you can be free not only from the restrictions placed on you by the world, but you can be free to live as you were meant to live. By trusting that Jesus is the one that's come from the Father. By trusting that when he was lifted up on that cross, he did everything that's needed for you to be forgiven and set free. You can be free. And being free in Jesus means a whole lot of practical things. Being set free by Jesus means that you are freed from condemnation to enjoy being a child of God. It means that you're freed from sin's penalty and sin's power to enjoy the presence of God. Being freed by Jesus means that you're not just freed to attend a a worship service, but you're free to worship the living God. Being freed by Jesus means that you're freed from living in in bitterness to offer and experience forgiveness. Being freed by Jesus means that you're freed from that endless shame To know that you're loved. Being freed by Jesus means that you're freed from endless worry about everything that's going wrong in the world. To live prayerfully and peacefully with the creator and sustainer of the world. Being freed by Jesus means that you're freed from curating your identity so that you can accept that you are a much-loved child of your heavenly Father. Being freed by Jesus means you're free from proving your worth to living as God has uniquely designed you to live. Being freed by Jesus means you're free from chasing status to instead pursuing what it means to be God's holy person. Being freed by Jesus means that you're freed from the tyranny of time to live in the seasonal flow of life that God has designed. Being freed by Jesus means that you're freed from having to find yourself to knowing that your purpose is to be with Jesus for the world around you. Being freed by Jesus means that you are free from death. Oh sure, 
There will come a time when you will be the body in the casket. There will come a time where I will. But for those in Jesus, like Gerald who I showed you earlier, he's freed from death and enjoys eternity with Jesus. Freedom from sin is what Jesus has come to do. To set people free from sin is what Jesus has done. We all talk about freedom. We all want to be free. Freedom is the word of our age. But are you really free? Are you free just to get a haircut? Or are you free to worship the living God? Are you free to be able to go, not quite wherever you want, but further than what you once could? Or are you free from being enslaved to sin? You say you're free, but are you free? Really? If Jesus sets you free, then you're free indeed. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you sent Jesus into the world because you love the world and you want to set the world free. Thank you, Jesus, for your love for these people that you spoke to long ago, that you wanted them to be free from the thing that they couldn't see enslaving them. And thank you that right now your love extends to each and every one of us, whether we be here, whether we be in our homes, whether we be listening, watching, thank you that your love extends to us and you long for us to be free. Father, for any who, who have not experienced freedom in Jesus, might you draw them to yourself. Might they see the slavery to sin and accept the freedom that you offer. And for those of us who have been set free, will you please continue to strengthen us by the Holy Spirit whom you have lovingly given us that we might live that freedom out, that the world might know that freedom from sin is the greatest freedom any of us could ever ask or hope for. And we thank you, Jesus, that you have given that to us. We pray in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. St. Matt's West Bend Hills 6pm Congregation is a collection of people who want to be changed by Jesus, to have a deeper connection with God, deeper community with one another, and deeper concern for our world. We'd love you to join us on a Sunday soon. For all the details, check out our website at stmats.org.au and be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss a sermon.